Welcome back to the Poptimist, friends. It is I, Taylor Berryman. Find me on all the social medias. Look up the Poptimist, Taylor Berryman, whatever, any of that bullshit. What's up, Millhouse? How are you, bud? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good today. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I just had a really good sweat session doing yoga. DDPY, Diamond Dallas Page. Nice. He was a professional wrestler in the 90s, and he has a yoga program, and I've been doing it every single day mostly nice dude i I, i've been uh i've been been hearing your yoga like the the dude yeah he always sounds so pissed off he always sounds like he's so pissed off he's pumped up bro (laughs) he's pumped up it's it's uh yeah the tagline for the yoga is uh not your mama's yoga nice nice dude i want i want i want a, a yoga session that's moderated or not moderated but the the voice for it is alex jones (laughs) (laughs) yeah or meditation by alex jones dude meditation church with alex jones yeah it's just like he's preaching the gospel dude now you're gonna go into your mind (laughs) and find your mind choir they're gonna whisper to you dude we gotta make this happen man if i had all the money in the world that's exactly what i'd do (laughs) a guided meditation with alex with alex jones dude yeah that'd be perfect but dude yeah i mean that's cool that you're doing that man it's 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 super important like i've been i'd say like two weeks ago i I really stopped working out completely dude my body just felt terrible yeah but you've been working like physical labor job yeah there's something different though yeah there's something different like there's a difference between being tired from like lifting fins all day and doing like you know physical labor job and then uh with with like there's a difference between that and like working out because there's like a certain discipline you know like you know like you have to have to like work out yeah and sometimes like working like a physical labor job like that dude you come home and you're just like fuck all of this well your your mind is spent and your body spent so you don't want to do anything else you just want to lay on the couch and fall into it yeah it was like when you were doing the landscaping job yeah that's a, uh, a mentally and physically taxing job. You're out in the sun for eight hours. Yeah. Which is good for you, but you're tired at the end of the fucking day. I would say that that was the most healthy probably my body was, though, doing that. Because, like, during that time, I was only eating, like, clean foods. I was, like, working extremely hard out in the sun every day. I was drinking a lot of drinking, water. Dude, I was drinking a gallon of water a day. Yeah. Like, my body felt great during that time, but I was always tired from work i've never been able to do those jobs dude i'm not fucking good at the physical labor jobs that's why i was all, I always did retail or sales yeah like my first four years after high school my supposed you know was supposed to be your college years yeah i worked at target i worked at wildwood guitars staples and then after Staples is when I got a job working at BEK. Yeah. That that IT place. Mm-hmm. But it sprinkled in between that was a bunch of other jobs that I would try to work. I tried working at my local like music store. Yeah. I can't even remember. Uh the music center in downtown Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for like two weeks. It was it was not a good situation. Uh, they, they didn't really want me. I was horrible at math. They didn't have an automated like calculator for the their machine. And numbers confuse me, dude. I flip them backwards all the time. Dude, same. Like, we tried to measure... I tried to measure that window earlier, and I fucked it up, dude. Yeah. I always fuck shit up when it comes to that. Dude, I fuck shit up when it's, like... When it comes to, like, computers and numbers and shit like that. But when it comes... I can I can read a tape measure. I can read a tape measure. I can't do 
Fucking, I'm never, says the producer of a podcast. I, I'm never gonna be good with like Pythagorean theorem and shit like that. But oh, like, no. I can read a tape measure. I um, was horrible at math. <laughs> I uh, I was always in like the year below what I was supposed to be in in math. Yeah, like, well, it's like I took all those honors and AP classes, but like, I never learned anything from them. No, I never retained any of that information. It's like once I took the test, passed the test, it's like all that information was just like thrown in the trash bin. Let's get back to playing music. Well, it doesn't teach you any actual life skills. No. It teaches you, what in defense of all that stuff, it teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to think outside the box, all that stuff. But for me, I never really benefited from any of that. Yeah. I took one AP class for two weeks for history, and I was like, fuck this. Why am I doing this? There's other things I want to do. Yeah. Plus, I had a job at a recording studio back then. That was way more important to me than doing any of that like being good at school i never gave a fuck about school yeah yeah yeah. i feel that but i i did want to ask you this um so out of all the retail like main mainstream like retail uh jobs which one was the worst target really hands down target not staples no staples was actually pretty good dude it seems like a chill place to work it's staples is kind of like it always seems, and I've never worked at Staples, but it seems like the equivalent of like working at like a library because it's always so calm in there. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a bad job. I started off stocking shelves, and I also was a cashier, and then I worked in the IT department there. Oh, shit. It was not good. Dude. No. People would bring their computers in. They would be like covered in cum and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like their keyboards were literally sticking. Oh, Dude, that's it was awful. disgusting. That's awful. I could I couldn't imagine that. I, I just always every time I walk in the Staples nowadays, it's dead. There's yeah. nothing going on in there because no. it's like Best Buy's the place. Yeah, for shit now. Well, I mean, truthfully, Amazon's a place. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Best Buy's not even the place anymore. I mean, it, it kind of went like Staples, then Best Buy had its time, and then now I guess it's Amazon and just online. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos just reeling in thousands of dollars every second yeah or more than that probably yeah well i mean he's he's really the only person that's benefited from the COVID situation well and hand sanitizer companies yeah and hand sanitizer <laughs> and toilet paper companies yeah. mass companies and now apparently gas companies so it's like dude let's talk about the gas shortage because this is fucked dude it pisses me off dude i don't think there would have been a gas shortage unless people started freaking out that there was a gas shortage Dude, I one hundred percent believe that too, and I don't mean to go all Alex Jones on you, but like, dude, I think it was inside work, man. I think it was inside work. You think they were padding the gas companies to make them money? I think they were, man, because it just went over so we, like no one said anything. Yeah, the government wasn't freaking out. We were freaking out. The people were freaking out. Well, the government it was, wasn't. It was the toilet paper shortage part two. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. I mean, there was that time during the pandemic when it wasn't just like toilet paper. It was just like canned foods. It was like everything. Everything You remember like everything in grocery stores was gone for that time period? Yeah. That was wild. Like looking back on that, that was like a wild part. Well, it was really scary in the beginning. Yeah. Because we didn't know. Dude, aren't we so lucky? Like we got really lucky because my mom happened to send us like all that toilet paper right before the pandemic. Yeah. And we had toilet paper. Yeah. And it was fine. Um, but dude, if we hadn't had that, if we would have been using like McDonald's, like napkins, like, you know, <laughs> that's what Zach had to do. Did he tell you about yeah, that? Yeah, he told me about that. So Zach Lehman, the, uh, the co-host of man of science, man of faith, he, uh, ran out of toilet paper and for a 
long time, every time he got fast food, he just put his napkins up in his cabinet and they all came in handy because everywhere was out of toilet paper and he had that. Dude, I hope he didn't flush them, dude. That probably wasn't good for that. But He know. lives in an apartment, dude. It's fine. He doesn't care. Yeah. Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> I worked at apartments, too. That was after I moved to Nashville. Yeah. Apartment people don't give a fuck, bro. Yeah. They don't give a shit. No. I've always wondered what it's like to be like a maintenance guy at a place like that. Or they just, smoke a lot of weed. In the apartments or yeah. like just in general? And they sell weed, too. Bro, that's the same shit with, like, landscapers, bro. I've never been in, like, a moving vehicle while a guy's rolling a blunt while driving. You that, know? Yeah. <laughs> I never liked having weed in my car when I smoked, and I never liked smoking in a car or any shit like that. Because nah. I'm like, you, if you get pulled over, you're automatically fucked. Yeah. That's that's the end. I never have the confidence that I'm going to get away with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Let alone like drive a work vehicle with like other people in it and like were they just hot boxing the car? Yeah, dude, we'd be in that we'd be in that landscaper truck, dude, just rolling down the road. They'd be like smoking in the car, you know, not giving a fuck. Yeah, we'd roll, we'd uh, open up the doors and it just like all go out like a Snoop Dogg yeah, video, like a Snoop Dogg video, dude. Everybody's high as fuck in the back of that. <laughs> Fun times, dude. But dude, we uh, we worked on that session with josh moore at trash man yeah and you cut your piano part bro i'm really impressed by your playing lately thanks dude i appreciate that man i'm really trying to up the game you know it sounds like you're starting to uh get more comfortable in who you are as a player yeah well like i've always had like a certain style but like uh sometimes like i'd say when we first started like rehearsing that i was kind of going against the grain with like my style of how i play when i really should have just like delved into that yeah because that's exactly what the song needed yeah totally because we, we had talked a little bit about uh the session and what we we're going to try and do for it and this uh the one song sitting on top of the world is kind of taking on a, like a rolling stones kind of a feel mm -hmm. so we talked a little bit about Nicky hopkins and his playing with the stones mm -hmm. and i think once you kind of got that green light uh, you you got way more comfortable in the in your playing because you did it in a couple of takes. You know yeah. it wasn't it wasn't much, and every time it got better. It took four takes yeah. to get it done well. We did four takes, yeah, and then the first take was just me going, you know, as balls hard to as, the wall. balls to the walls, yeah, and then we just kind of reeled it back, and it, it it fits really well, dude. And honestly, like that track, you know, like whenever we first like heard like the the demo or whatever i didn't expect it to sound like what it sounds like now no i really ne didn't neither did i because originally josh wanted it to kind of have like a tom petty feel to it yeah and mm -hmm. once you know me and james were playing bass and drums on it and then we got you on piano every part was grooving on its own and the icing on the cake was kind of his guitar part that it came up with over the weekend yeah because i think like so we use Keith Richards as an example for that. And Keith, his playing is really, he's a rhythm player. He's a rhythm player who does leads. Yeah. But especially in those like classic Stones years from 69 to 73, 74, mm. he, he got to really be a rhythm guitar player because they had uh, Mick Taylor playing slide in the band and playing leads in the band and him and keith would do dual leads sometimes and those always sounded cool but there was more of a distinction and then when ronnie uh ronnie wood joined the band it was much more like 
interweaving guitar parts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like Beast of Burden for for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I his guitar part that he wrote for it, like it completely changed the the feel of the song to me. Like the his his solos that he did and and just shredding on it. It it really changed the song completely. And and honestly, like I like the song so much better now. I do. I do. I really too. do. Like, um, and and I would have liked it for what it was if if we had done the Tom Pet- Petty vibe, you know, and stuck with that. But like, this makes this is like a whole other level. I think part of the reason that it's happened that way is because we've lived with the songs for so long. Yeah. Too. Yeah, dude. It's it's been a long time coming. I'm I'm really happy to see this like finally come to an end. It's 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 past a year, right? We're oh past, yeah. We're definitely past a year. But it's it's super nice to see that it's finally finally getting done. Yeah, I'm excited to to lay down the rest of the you know the organ track for Mystery Girl and you know do the vo- cut the vocals. What do you think it was that kind of helped you get in the zone for your playing? Because there, there's been like a clear switch for you lately as far as your playing is concerned. Honestly, like, dude, I swear, uh, it's been that it's been practicing on that Steinway. It really has. That Steinway really makes me just love playing. A 1937 Steinway, Yeah, right? it's a 1937 Steinway. It was owned by one family over the course of its life and tuned every six months since 1937. And, dude, like, just when I sit down in front of it, dude, it's like you can feel the power behind it, you know? And, and like, I'll sit there, like, uh, sometimes, like, when I'm at Trash Man, um, you know, nobody's there. And I, I just sit and practice. That's where I do most of my practicing nowadays. And, like, yeah, like, it's fun to practice on, like, my Nord and stuff. But there's just a whole other energy behind what do you, that. What are you practicing? What are you working on? Um, well, mainly, mainly I've been working on my scales and stuff. Um, like the diatonic modes? Yeah, the diatonic modes. Really figuring that out. Or practicing different riffs and trying to get faster with them and more fluent. One thing I've been doing is, like, just running my hands back and forth, trying to, like, not fat finger keys at all. Yeah. And I'm trying to never fat finger keys ever. So you're know? you're trying to hone your technique yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm trying to like. Um, I'm also trying to build up like muscle in my wrists more. You, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. like when you're slamming on keys, it it gets tiring, you know. And like I I've been playing for a long time, and I my hands still get tired um, when I'm playing like that. So like just building that, those muscles up and like being able to like do that is is something that I'm really trying to work on for sure. Well, it sounds like you're trying to fine-tune your playing because you have an idea of what it is. I think when you're like a player, no matter what instrument it is, and you're getting to that point to where you're wanting to take it to the next level, like I think good young players, inherently you have a feel or you don't. And I think that's what separates good players. And then on top of that, once you start noticing your own flaws – yeah. Whether it's with your technique or your note choices or whatever, you can start diving deeper into that. Like one thing that helped me, I had a huge growth phase once I got into all the, the chordal tones and all that shit, especially jazz too, because it's a very cerebral way to think about your music, playing music and the way you approach your instrument. And on top of that, you have to really understand what your instrument is and what it does from a, like the, the personal instrument that you, you play, you have to learn, you know, yeah. like that bass that I play, the Fender bass I play, I've had that bass for almost as long as I've been in Nashville now, about five years. Mm-hmm. 
I got it like maybe six or eight months after I moved to Nashville. And it's been my main bass ever since. But I feel like I understand that instrument well, that particular instrument well. Yeah. And once I became a flat wound player, which that was before I even moved to Nashville, that changed the game for me too. Because I, I don't ever have to change my flat wounds. When I was changing round wounds constantly, I just go with whatever I could afford that week. Sometimes I'd get nice strings. Sometimes I'd get shit strings. Sometimes I'd just get like Ernie balls or something like that. And the, the, the reason I started playing flats was because when I had that 1965 Fender Jazz bass, it came with flats on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even know that those were actual strings. I, I had no idea because they're like upright bass strings. They're yeah. smooth. And once I did that, I was like, oh, this is really what my sound is. This is where my, my playing belongs is with this kind of sound. Yeah. Dude, I, re- I really dig your playing, man. Like, uh, like when you played on Fifth Floor, you know? Dude, that just that re- that really completed it for me because like we had always played it with like out of baseline in it, and you you wrote like the perfect part for it. Thanks, and, man. Um, yeah, I mean I'm super excited for that too. Um, That's coming soon, right? Yeah, it is coming soon. Uh, we're still deciding on a date and everything and getting everything set up, but um, yeah, that that's definitely coming like really soon. Um, but yeah, like. I don't know. I, I like your sound because you definitely have a sound, especially like if you're playing with like James, you know, if you're grooving with James, there's always like a sound that's there and it's always fun to jam with you guys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, one of the things about me and James now, we've played for Emma. We played with Dustin Sellers. Yeah. And now Josh is the third artist that we've played with and there's just something like right away that me and James, it was just hand in glove and we fit. Yeah. Instantly. Cause we're into rock and roll and like harder rock stuff. But we're also into stuff that grooves. Yeah. Dude, James has always got a good feel. Like when he's playing drums, he's always, he's always great. You know, his playing is like a hybrid of Steve Jordan mm-hmm. who plays with John Mayer and, um, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Because he has that heavy style where he hits through the drums, but doesn't ever sacrifice the groove. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a hard hitter, but it's always, like, good in a good way. I had practiced with Emma and James last week for the first time in a couple of months. It was, like, six or seven months since the three of us had been in a room together. Because through the pandemic, we didn't really get together at all. It just kind of fell away. I knew it would come back. It was just phases and cycles. Yeah. Um but we were hanging out and it was just really good to hang out with them and see them again and play with them and laugh at all the dumb shit we were like laughing at. And uh, James had a bunch of, of our sets recorded that he re- recorded with his um, GoPro. Yeah. So we were going back through and watching all of our old sets. And we had this one where we were playing at a random house party called Bind and Barry that was over in Barry Hill. Yeah. And it was funny to watch. Like at one point, we were, we were tuning up or something, and Emma turned around, and her mic had fallen down. And there was a guy in the audience that came up and put her mic up, but our backs were all turned, so we didn't see it, and we didn't know that happened until that video. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dude, that's awesome. How how far back does that like date? Is it just from like? 
2019, I believe. I think we started playing together in 2018. We've been a band now for probably close to three years, I want to yeah. say. It's 2021, so yeah, probably. Yeah, it'll be three years this October because our first gig was at Blue Bear Barn. Nice. You'll have to do something special for that. We'll do something. We're eager to start playing gigs. Yeah, I, I'm super pumped to, you know, I've never got to see EH3. Yeah, man. I know. i to see him. I know. And it took me forever to see uh, the reveal and, you know, like at the beginning because they were only playing like 21 up shows. Yeah. I had to wait forever to see them because they didn't have any 18 and up shows. Um, lately, I've been able to see them. But. Well, a couple weeks ago, we got to go out to the East Room and see Violet Moons. Yeah. They played and then Pickup Sticks played. Yeah. Who are going to be on the show next week, Brandon and Skylar. Yeah. But it was a fun night. It was nice to see people I hadn't seen in a long time because we all just used to like hang out and play and hang out at shows and shit. Yeah, it, it was cool to see everybody. It was cool to see Isaac the day after we moved that oh yeah <laughs> that desk. <laughs> um, dude, that was a fun time. Um, it's always cool to see like Violent Moons and stuff where they're new and stuff. It's you know yeah, it's cool to see that they're a great band, man. Yeah, Pickup Sticks, dude. They 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 really blew me away. Honestly, I'm I'm excited to talk to them and stuff. Yeah, their music is is rock and roll, but there's definitely some country undertones to it. I, I don't even know if it's exactly country, as if it's more western. Like it's more like western western rock. It's really cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I I describe them because they were playing. I was like, man, they sound awfully country. Like for you know because it's an East Nashville rock band, and when they got up on stage, I was like, "This is going to be another East Nashville rock band." And then they were like playing Western rock, and they're good, and they're good. Yeah, yeah, they were shredding up there. We played a couple of bands with them, or played a couple of shows with them with mm-hmm. EH3. I think we played over at Springwater. Yeah, which Springwater, dude, that is the fucking coolest place to play in Nashville. It is the oldest bar in Tennessee. It's right over by Vanderbilt. You know where that McDonald's yeah. is? Yeah, right by, by right by Centennial Park. Yeah, it's right behind Across that McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Right over by the local. Yep. And we had played there a ton, and it's always good. Like the stage, there it's there's like dips in it and shit. So you walk walk into a hole and you like break your fucking ankle, but <laughs> it's fun. The shows there are always good. People go there to listen to music. Yeah. And enjoy it. But I'm excited shows are coming back. Dude, me too. Ascend just had their first uh, their first show this weekend, Ascend Amphitheater. Who played? Uh, they had like a ballet and like the Nashville Orchestra Symphony there. That's kind of cool. It was, yeah, it was a it was a huge thing. They had tons of people there. Um, and it, it was just really cool to see like live event work back, you know, because I felt more, I felt like, None of this had happened for a moment. You know what I'm saying? No, we were, it we, we wasn't just, happening. Well, yeah. No, I mean, like, none of, like, the pandemic had happened because everything was so normal. There oh, for, gotcha. For, like, okay. work was so normal. Like, I was working every day, and it was event work, and I was feeling, you know. And then uh, they had the race. Uh, the fairgrounds are fully open now, serving alcohol to all the drunk rednecks that want to go. The Yee-Yees. The Yee-Yees, man. Like, Theo Vaughn was there. Like, you know. All he was? Of, yeah, Theo Vaughn showed up one night when we were working. He's just hanging out with, like, the people there. And he chills up at the fairgrounds all the time. Really? Yeah, apparently he's up there, like, every race. So, he's he's up there quite frequently when he's in town. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, it was kind of nice to see, like, everything just opened up there and everybody watching the race and enjoying it. And then they had a truck show. So... 
What what kind of truck show? They had like a um, like these tricked out trucks. Like was it was it truck guys? It was truck. It was truck guys with their fucking cabs covered in yeah, shit. Yeah, all that, all the and Ray's like lifted and you know all that shit. It wasn't it, if it had been a vintage truck show, I would have been interested. But like it was, it was. Dude, I got a vintage truck, man. It's awesome, <laughs> hey, dude. I could have I could have put it in a vintage truck show. Could. You could, man. I mean, I after could. you got that new paint job, it looks good. Yeah. What, what kind of truck is it? It's a 1986 Ford F-150 Lariat XLT. It's the it's the nice one from back in the day. But when I when I got that truck, it only had 22,000 miles on it. How many does it have now? 34,000 miles on it. So I put like a little bit on it. Yeah, you've had it for a few months since you got it back. And then yeah. you had to send it back to West Virginia to get it painted and fixed up. Yeah. And now I don't have brakes again and just shit like that. You know? <laughs> Whenever I see a vintage old truck, uh, I always think of you now. Yeah. There's one other one that's similar to it that's over in East Nashville. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, it's by On that, the way to Josh's house? It's by that t- uh, tomato uh, mural yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, it sits up there. I don't know. Is it one? Is it like yours, right? Yeah, it is. It is like mine. It's uh, it's a little bit older. I think that's like a like a seventy nine, uh, in that time period. It's a, it's still a like a hard body like uh, box. It's still square. Yeah. Um, which I I love the squares. Made of American metal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And um, I I like the squares. It's it's hard to find them in as good a condition as what like mine is or the one in East Nashville is. I mean, all those trucks have been beat to hell. Yeah. Because they were used as work trucks back in yeah, the day. They're they're definitely they were definitely uh, beat up pretty good. Especially like uh, it's a little bit easier to find older Fords that are in better condition than like the Chevys. There are like no older Chevys. They are all torn up. Just because they got all Just, fucked up. Yeah. Well, the Chevys were more of the workhorse. Honestly, the Fords were kind of more like, uh, especially mine. Mine's more like a show truck. Mine mine was like a luxury vehicle more than like a workhorse. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but like, especially like the three fifties they had back then, you know, and all that, all that shit, that was more for like, you know, hauling shit. (laughs) Well, Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.